Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we are, Parks and Recollection. Um, and Rob I'm, I, I'm so happy to have you here, uh, Gay. We, we, wait till America meets you. Let's just hang on for a minute because that's going to be big. <laughs> um, but we are here uh, to go over one of the great classic Galentine's Day. And you were a big part of that. But I'm going to turn all of that over to my uh, co-star, Alan Yang, who's going to handle all of the proper introductions to this amazing episode. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Rolo. We're here talking about Galentine's Day, which is episode 16 of season two. First aired on February 11th, 2010. So near Valentine's Day. It was timely. We didn't just air it at a random time. It yes. was during the month of February, in the middle of the month. This episode is written by Michael Schur, the show co-creator, and directed by the great Ken Quapis. Um, we do have a very special guest, Gabe Perello, on this episode. But first, let me give you guys a synopsis of this episode so we know what the hell we're talking about. And you guys do too. So let's go with the synopsis. Leslie throws her annual Valentine's Day party for her female friends, celebrated the day before Valentine's Day. She asks her mother to tell the story about how she fell in love with a lifeguard who saved her from drowning in 1968. But the two had to break it off over objections from Marlene's parents. Leslie shares a story to Justin, her boyfriend, who's amazed by the story. He tracks down Marlene's old flame, Frank Beckerson, played by John Larroquette, and convinces Leslie to go with him to Illinois to reunite the two on Valentine's Day at the Senior Center Valentine's Dance, which the Parks Department oversees. Frank is a strange and depressed man who has constant panic attacks. Leslie tries to call off the plan, but Justin insists... At the dance, Marlene's uncomfortable with Frank's overall failure at life. She turns down his offer for a second chance at love, prompting him to storm the stage and denounce her over the microphone. Leslie's later upset with Justin, but has trouble pinpointing the reasons for her dissatisfaction. Ron explains that Justin is a tourist, vacationing in people's minds. Later, Leslie breaks up with Justin, which Tom takes especially hard. 
Tom invites his ex-wife, Wendy, to his office to disclose his romantic feelings for her, but she rejects him. Tom then attempts to blackmail her into a date using alimony lawsuit as leverage. Tom and Wendy are later shown hugging and presumably making amends, although their conversation remains inaudible using filmmaking techniques. <laughs> Meanwhile, April's boyfriend, Derek, and his boyfriend, Ben, mock the senior citizens. April breaks up with them in response. Ann and Mark, at the same time, celebrate their first Valentine's Day together and describes the relationship as, quote-unquote, good. But her <laughs> behavior around Mark contradicts her statement. Andy dedicates a song to April, which prompts a jealous Ann to question April about the possibility of their budding relationship. Is that enough stories for you guys? That is Oof. four stories in one episode. Oof. It's a packed, packed, packed holiday special episode. And here's our guest, Gabe Perello, the prop master, for Parks and Recreation. <laughs> now, now, for people who don't know what, what gay does, it is, it's one of the most important things on, on a, a show. I mean, any, any object, anything that the story calls for, this is gay's job to go and find it, make it happen, make it beautiful, make it accessible, make it cool. So whether it's the right coffee mug or a, or a crazy car or... Uh, I mean, well, first of all, Gay, what's the craziest thing you've that showed up in a script that you had to go and find? Um, well, right now I'm making a um, dildo pogo stick. That would do it. <laughs> and this That's is amazing. for the show. This is for the show called Dildo Pogo Stick, right? It's a very specific <laughs> show. It's on. It's on Peacock <laughs> Premium. You guys, I progressed after Parks and Rec, and I went into porn. Um, <laughs> A dildo pogo stick. Well, that's, I mean, it's funny. And, and it, the, my craziest prop story ever is a similar theme. I was on Californication, mm -hmm. the great Showtime show, David Duchovny, yeah. and playing one of my favorite characters, Eddie Nero, that I ever played. And um, there was a fight scene. And in the script, it said, Eddie is excited by the fight. <laughs> and I thought, what if that was also sexually? So I went into the bathroom and rolled up uh, <laughs> a, 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 a paper towel and taped it and put it in my pants <laughs> and stood up with it in my pants. And the prop person came to me and said, would you just prefer a dildo? And then brought out a case of beautifully presented and ju just had them right there. So you, you have to be prepared for anything in your job. The prop truck has a lot of stuff on it, right? <laughs> Yeah, I like to play a game. Whoever comes on my trailer and say, I'll say, say anything, and we'll see if it's on the truck. Yeah. <laughs> I was like always a, amazed. I was always amazed. It's like the old uh, the old Monty Hall, let's make a deal. Yeah. Do you have an egg beater in your purse? I, I do. I know no one else cares about that game except for me, but um, <laughs> especially when my family comes, I'll say, come on, say something. And they... They say the most obvious things. I'm like, no, just give me something hard. And then it's ridiculous. And then I don't have it. No. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much stuff do you carry on oh a prop, prop truck? And how, when do you go, you know what? This is crazy. This is like, there's a difference between a, being a hoarder and, and having a prop truck. Not, and yeah. I'm at 30 years in the business now, I have a 50 foot trailer. I have my entire garage, the side of my house, and a storage facility, twenty by twenty. Oh my god! <laughs> so you, yeah. so you, and you hold on to stuff, right? Because it just makes sense if you have the space, because you, it might come up again. There's certain things that do keep coming up, right? Is, is that yeah, is that true? Want to kill yourself, but we never can find it. It's not like you know, I 
I certainly I have it and I just can't find it and I give up and I go get it again. But also I think you become like attached to some of this stuff. But inside my house, I actually don't have any props. I have to have a little separation. I know prop people who have, you know, this and that. I really don't. I try to keep that normal. But you open my garage and it's like, you never know what you're going to see. So do you have, would you have, you would have made DJ Roomba. Yes, made DJ Roomba. Yeah, that was fun. (laughs) She's DJ Roomba's mom in some ways. <laughs> DJ Roomba's mom. So does that mean, do you then get to keep DJ Roomba in your storage facility? Well, he, he disassembled. He's just like a, you know, an iPod player and a, and a Roomba. So we got to- Don't talk that. about him like that. That totally- that. <laughs> And yes, and a human being is just a, a collection of cells and water. <laughs> Some things we put together are things that we need for other scenes. So, <laughs> so wait a minute. So DJ, DJ Roomba exists. This is so sad. Disassembled in your storage facility right Parts now. Parts of him definitely are. Yes. Oh man, that's, that's <laughs> brutal. Yeah, but yeah. You guys, I'll put him back together for you. Don't worry. Yeah, it's like a third generation iPod, <laughs> a, a, a piece of electronics that hasn't been made for twenty years or something. But I, yeah, I remember so when funny. we asked the um, the people who uh, did the Roomba, and they had a prototype because it wasn't on remote before. Um, oh, okay. Right, you can hit a program, but this is like Morgan's like, no, we want it to really go around. And it it barely hit its mark, but it did the first time the Roomba ever did was on our show inside uh, Tommy's closet. Wow! Wow, that's that, amazing. That's actually, good background. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking boundaries, technologically right, Morgan speaking. Morgan said it had to do it, so we had I to. Know. Do it. Yeah. I know. Like talking about him, like he's an actor. Yeah, DJ Roomba, his mark on the first take didn't quite get there. The second take. Like, so oh, we man. we have contributed to to. The advancement of technology at Parks and Recreation. I love that. I love that. Um, how did you... So, Galentine's Day, the reason we want to have you on this, we, we should have you on all these shows. So good. Um, is obviously Galentine's Day opens with the gifts, gift givings right. that all the gals give each other. Um, how did... What was your favorite gift? Walk us through that because it's a lot of gift giving. I thought I was watching an episode of Sex in the City. It was... <laughs> there was so much gift giving. And it was, I felt like I was mainlining estrogen, like directly oh, into my, go, my heart. At, that at is that. nice to say, because I'm a big fan of Sex and City. Um, yeah. The list of presents, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but it was like three pages long in the script or in our meeting. And knowing that we wouldn't get to all of them, I wanted to have all of them there just in case, you know, while she's pulling them out. Um, the, my favorite ended up being the mosaic so that were of the of Marlene, I thought was really funny. I think it really nailed um, Aubrey's mosaic was really funny. For uh, I don't think I had to redeem myself on Rashida's when we did Galentine's later when we made a pillow because her mosaic did not look like her at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much you remember about this, uh, Greg. So these mosaics that Leslie made for all the other characters in the show. I'm looking at a photo of it right now on the internet because the internet has everything. I'm looking at one of, of, of Aubrey right now and it's very good. It, you know, in, in the script, it says, Leslie made them out of uh, crushed bottles from your favorite diet soda, which obviously is a joke. But man, I mean, look at them. Like I, I implore you as a listener to, to Google Galentine's Day Mosaic Parks because they're very good. Or watch the episode again. The weird story about this was... Um, 
I couldn't find a real mosaic artist who could do it in the time with a with for people. She did pets. <laughs> so, oh boy. Yeah. She's great at pets. And um, but she could do it in the time frame and it was a challenge to her. And when I first saw when she completed Aubrey's, I'm like, yes, um, that's amazing. She kind of got that whole look. And then as they were going, I'm like, okay, maybe not so much. Um, the others, but Marlene's was, was pretty funny. Well, you know, that's right. like the the great story in um uh the great movie Team America, the puppet movie, where they had to make all the puppets. And then they got the Matt Damon puppet and the Matt Damon puppet looked demented. (laughs) And that's why Matt Damon goes, Matt Damon. (laughs) That's that's just because the the puppet. That's why why Matt Damon seems like he's completely out of his mind in the, in the, uh, in team America because the prop (laughs) people could not figure out how to make a good Matt Damon puppet. Sometimes it's very hard. I couldn't get Jerry on the pumpkin. We had to redo that too. (laughs) I man, this the I would we could do ten episodes with Gay because I want to <laughs> ask her about all of these props that that the writers came up with and how it's like you come up, you can say words that imply an object, but then to actually make the object is so difficult that it's like what a headache. It just seems like such a difficult job. Yeah, what was it? What was the worst one you ever had to do, Gay? The what was the worst one? I'd love to doll. know. The breakfast doll. Okay, it, on paper, doll. it sounds like it would work, like scrambled eggs for hair and, you know, bacon arms. Um, Greg, can you consult the notes on, on this breakfast doll, please? Because we, we got to dig this up. Dig up that archive. The breakfast doll is, of course, a gift that Anne attempts to make for Leslie for breakfast day, which is a different holiday altogether. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. I was throwing stuff left and right on that one. So are you making, are you, are you physically making that one? Or is there, is there like, cause there, cause that's, there's Who else no, am I no, get to make a I, that's like, there's no, that's what I'm saying. You can get a dog mosaic artist to make the human mosaics, but there's no like, well, this person makes lunch dolls. Maybe he can make a breakfast doll. <laughs> like you're making the breakfast doll. Yeah, that, that is. Dinner doll. Uh, uh, yeah. Personal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like we owe you an apology for all these props, oh, but oh. yeah, that was. Uh, no, this guy, I mean, and Valentine's Day became, uh, almost like a, 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 a phenomenon of some sort, you know, it, did, it's, well, it's, I want to yeah. ask you, did Valentine's Day exist or did, was that something that, that Mike made up? I think it was made up in the room. Aisha Muhar had a, a lot to do with it. Like Aisha was a huge driving force in the show period. And she, you know, wrote a lot of great Leslie stuff and lines and talking heads, and so I think it was her pitch originally. And, and I, I, we love the idea as soon as it came up because it's like, yeah, you put so much stress on this holiday where you're supposed to find love and it's all about couples and like, well, what about, you know, being happy with yourself and being happy with your friends? So I think that was the original genesis of the idea. And um, I see here in the research, it, this, this, this non-official holiday is celebrated as a day for ladies celebrating ladies. Businesses such as Sprinkles, Cupcakes, Lifts, Sherry's Berries, Target, etc., selling, you know, promoted the holiday with Target even selling Galentine's Day themed products. I hope they gave Aisha some free Galentine's Day swag because uh, thanks to her, you know? No, it's a, it's a great concept. And I, I love that it has become, it's, it's a, a real thing, you know? Very real, for mm-hmm. sure. There's so much great stuff in, in this. Uh, I also just like any um, story that builds to a sort of showdown where all the characters show up and all and and we and intercut their stories, but they all sort of support one another. And the old folks dance 
yeah. is oh, no. so satisfying. It's it's satisfying for a lot of reasons. Also, it's you have a natural excuse to have music throughout it because Mouse Rat's playing. And by the way, a lot of you see a lot of Yang in the background because <laughs> I remember shooting this one. I think they tried to later, you know, have just so I wouldn't have to be on set as much. So I was in Rock Show, which is in season one, and then That's right. um, in this one, I just remember having to be on set almost all week because the, a lot of it takes place in the senior center. And if they ever wanted to shoot in that direction, we had to be on stage. So I think after this week, Mike was like, well, we just lost Yang for like a week for no clear reason. <laughs> He's just in the background of all these shots. So let's try to make sure that we don't, we don't have to write him into that much stuff. So, um, but it was really fun to play. We did actually learn the songs and, and, and we were playing along to all of them. It's really fun. You know, you're in these scenes with Pratt. Yeah. It's funny how, how Pratt's of how Andy just hates the old classic songs. He just doesn't understand them. He's like, I don't he, get it. It really made me laugh. Yet he played them. I didn't remember. I, I just rewatched the episode. I didn't remember you guys played it pretty good. Oh, yes. I, <laughs> I mean, we learned all those songs. And again, like we would we would actually go to a practice studio in North Hollywood, like me, Pratt, Burley, and Rivers, what? and just practice the songs and then play them. And then we played we generally played them live on set. And then there was also a track that we could play along to. And then, you know, we'd play them at the rap party at the end of each season, whatever we learned that year. So that was really fun. And we were actually look, we're not great. I mean, Rivers is actual musician. I think Burley is pretty good too. Me and Pratt are really just making shit up. It's really like, <laughs> we're rudimentary knowledge of the instruments. But yeah, you. I was gonna say you jump. Your bass jumping is it's it's pretty pretty dope. Well, as you guys know, I have a lot of energy, and the reason I was even cast in Mouse Rat to begin with was I used to be in a band, right? So I used to play in a punk rock band, and um, I played bass and I played a little bit of guitar too, but. Yeah, well, we played. We, it was like a much more uh, high-tempo band than Mouse Rat. So I used to jump up and down all the time. And then I used to roll around on the ground. I used to go into the crowd. I used to just run around. And, you know, I sang sometimes in the band too. But yeah, it was a lot of like... That band was a lot of me running around and jumping and wearing white vans. So that was that's a lot of me in Parks and Rec too. We just, we just transferred it over. There was no imagination. I just wore my own clothes and I just went to set and then played. So yeah, that was that, was that character. It was not a transformation on my behalf. Really good. You know, the thing I noticed, uh, I think for sure the world's biggest close-ups, at least in the Parks and Rec, are in this episode. Um, when, uh, when, when Tom is talking to his wife and she turns him down, those close, go back and look at those close-ups. That was those emotional. Are, yeah, <laughs> I mean, what? Really emotional. I mean, I, we always be, this is some inside, this is some DP talk, but what is that, like a 120 millimeter lens? I mean, we're, we are tied on them. That is like, we are really tied on them. It super, is wild. Super, I was like, wow. I mean, yeah. usually there's a language of like on a show where like, we don't, we don't use anything higher than a 120 lens and we don't do anything wider than a, a 35 yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I felt like they broke the bank on that yeah, scene. Yeah, I was like, we we doubled up, man. So we put a 120 and a 120. But no, this was this was like, a, and it, I found this scene very difficult to watch because I felt bad for him. He was so, he like, he like, I was like, no, Tom, no, she doesn't like you, man. It's like, I know. she just doesn't like you. And she's like, I don't like you. And then, then of course, later in the episode, I'm like, I turned against Tom because it's like, no, he's being an idiot. Like, yeah. you can't do that shit. That's, he, he's like blackmailing her with alimony. You can't do that. Anyway, they make up eventually, but. Um, the other thing that made me really, really, really laugh out loud is when Tom thinks Leslie's JFK imitation is the Terminator. And he transitions <laughs> right into it. Transitions right into it. 
<laughs> then she does the Terminator too. And then Ron gives her a high five for seamlessly turning that around. <laughs> it, it's that is so funny. I don't know why that made me laugh. That was particularly good. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. This is a good question for Gay, too. Did you notice, Gay, when re-watching it, that the car that Leslie and Justin in, the windshield is really dirty? Because <laughs> I think it's like, I think that, what, what, what happened? Plan that? I kept going, somebody must have told us to do that. I mean, I it was think, really dirty. I, I It was distracting to me because, and, 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 and someone must, someone, I know, someone must have told you to do that, but, but, uh, <laughs> I think the idea was they're dri- they're driving. It's 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 winter in in the Midwest, yeah. and they're driving from Indi- Indiana to Illinois. It should be dirty, but I I I was like, man, this is this this is d- troubling. And also, by the way, later in those scenes with Lara Kett in the back of this back of the car, it's a very obvious green screen. I was like, well, oh man, this, why, is, this is this is a really obvious green screen. That's why I thought. I think that I think I think that's why the dirt was on there. I really do. Uh, I think to it kind was of mask they, some of it. They were not. They were like, mm, I don't know if we're gonna get away with this this green screen. I know, let's throw a bunch of dirt on the windows. <laughs> well, it worked. We're talking about it. <laughs> it looked like mud. I mean, I think when we first started, there was notes that all the cars should be dirty because of the rain and whatnot. And then, you know, yes. we do that for a few episodes and then you don't do it anymore. You're like, yeah, let's we not do it. We pulled it out in that one. <laughs> we really pulled it. And, Gay, and so for those who don't know, Gay, you you also are in, often in charge of cars, right? You have to you have to get the cars for, that, that, that counts as a prop. I think people don't generally know that, but that the cars generally count as a prop because right. the actors are touching them, right? Well, we have picture car, um, which is under the purview of transportation. There's picture car people who actually get specific cars. But once they get to us, um, we have to do, like if it's an ambulance, I've got to put the lights on them. If it's a cop car, I've got to put the skins on them. All the parks and rec vehicles get skins and license plates and all that. But I don't actually have to get the actual vehicle. So you must have license plates from all 50 states, like in your garage right now. And Europe, baby. And Europe. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, that would be trip, like Prop 101 yeah. for sure. Trip to Gay's Garage would be very entertaining. <laughs> it was like, um, I, I, another thing I noticed in the Leslie and Justin A story was at one point, Leslie does a talking head about how much she wants Jennifer Aniston to be happy. And it is bookended by scenes where she's acting with Justin Theroux, who would later become Jennifer Aniston's boyfriend. I was like, oh my God, the, the episode is just, this is this is life. This is real life. Oh my God. I forgot you're so right. It's, yeah. It is wild watching it now it, because it's 10 years away from happening or whatever. It's many years away from happening. But but it's like, yeah, she's, you're with the guy right now who's about to date her. 
That's freakish. And John Mayer is still... No, I'm kidding. Oh, and John yeah. Mayer is not in the picture anymore. Stay it's away not, from John Mayer. It's not in... Yeah, stay away from John Mayer. Um, Gay, can you tell us a little bit, just because I'm curious, and I think the, the listener might be as well, how you get into your profession because it is a very specific one and, and takes unique skills and experience. How, how did you, well, you know, how did you start in this journey? Um, so no skills um, other than what <laughs> no, no, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sell yourself. No, no, starting with no skills. Um, you know, change, you know, rotate tires when I was 14. Um, but, uh, you know, my... I had a corporate job right out of college and my sister, Hope Perello, directed The Howling Six. And she said, do you want to come out for the summer and be my assistant? And that was in 1989. And I said, yeah. And I got on set and, you know, you get the bug. And I literally fell in love with the prop guy. Like I wanted to stalk him. So I just followed him around for about a year. And then I took his job over. <laughs> that is that's fascinating. That's also, were you romantic? <laughs> I was gonna say, wait, wait like, rom- were you romantically in love with this prop guy? Like, you I had was. a crush on him or something? Oh, I that's kind of cool. And I thought everything he did was cool, and the props were cool, and there was another, never a, another choice for me. I liked it. Wow, that's <laughs> so it's so interesting. But I hear <laughs> nowadays, um, look, nepotism doesn't hurt you if you are friendships or connections. Um, reach out to people that you may know, um, and then be a PA. I'm a big uh, supporter of PAs figuring out what they want to do on sets and, um, you know, uh, learning what to do and figure it out. Uh, it's a very tough job. You don't, you know, you don't just go home and not think about it. Props is one of those things where you're always worried about it. Could we deal with food and firearms and, you know, shit like that? So you have to uh, always be aware of what's what's going on in your world. Look, there's a lot of stressful jobs on set in terms of, you know, what... Look, there's it's always on your mind, right? That you yeah. go home... Like you were saying, you go home with it. But props is up there because you're always on call and you need things like you said last minute, right? I got to get a mosaic made by by Tuesday or like, I, you, know, yeah. I, you know, like I need a, I need a doll made out of breakfast foods by Wednesday morning. It's like, how can that, ha- I always wonder how that stuff happens. It's luck. Um, some good, some bad. And then you, you can't be afraid to cold call you. We are really rely upon the community to help us out and experts because we reach out to, um, like you said, all the different experts in other fields. And I'm happy to call them and say, Hey, I need help. help me what do you, um, like, when you have to do like a, it's going to sound like the most dated re- reference of like a, like a ray gun, like you're like outer space crap. Oh. You've got to like make up out of, do you just build it yourself? No, no. I have, there's about three or four people I trust with doing a drawing. Um, just if there's something in my head, like on the good place, I had to do that a lot. If there's something in my head and I can't get it on paper, I will hire somebody. Um, like I said, I have three or four really good graphic artists who can kind of pick my brain. And then once it's on paper, uh, then I can kind of show the director or the writer, whoever is interested in this. And then it goes to one of the three main prop houses uh, that build these things for us. Do you remember the day we had, to, this would have been your purview, we had to have the damn spinning chair from The Voice on the set? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember that? I think... Ian may have taken that over. And I want to say our construction, Andy and those guys built that with the help of special effects. 
So it was a big, like you'd have thought we were building a rocket to Mars. Yeah. It was like a big deal. And like that was in that moment in time when NBC was just using us shamelessly to cross promote oh, everything. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, like we had to do a thing with the spinning around chair. It was in Ron Swanson's office, I remember. And then, then there was the, then we had to do a, like a musical because they were doing some show about a Broadway musical and all of us had to sing. Into, <laughs> it was just insane. <laughs> Do you do you also remember that we had uh, a series of basically Tom Clancy style books that were oh. <laughs> written by you? So we we would have prop books that just needed to be around, and we put your name on them. It just said like Gabriel, written by Gabriel. It was like Air Force Nun or whatever. They, yeah. they, they had different like well, I don't I forget what the names. Do you remember there was oh, a, into the den of the lions. <laughs> yeah, what was the other? Enter the lion's den, or oh, what yeah, were the other the ones like? Den, and then I don't know what they were called. The lion's den. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. Even Anytime know what there was. was a, uh, Mike would just look down at me. Oh, let's have a book by it. I'm like, no. And then he right. would come up with the title in two seconds, and yeah, right. <laughs> it would always be some. Yeah, those some... are actually kind of fun to have now. Yes, yes. <laughs> I remember work with one of my first days on the set. Um, with my Chris had to take a, a a pill that was so big it was a choking hazard. All right. <laughs> and 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 there was a whole discussion we had about how big is big. And I just remember, and this is what this is what it's so fun is you know the the prop master and the actors sit there and they have a bunch of pills laid out and you go, that's too big. I think it looks like a cartoon. That's funny. That's not funny. That's we and and that's what we do. So we figure out what what which which pill worked the best. All of the pills for you. Oh my God. Remember we kept that going for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah those pills were on the desk for a long time. And do you remember yeah. do you remember I I remember I told you I wanted to have because I was inspired by Leslie's um the photos behind her desk. And I said, okay, if Leslie has Larry Bird and, you know, right. Janet Napolitano, whoever it is in the behind her desk, who would Chris Traeger have? And I was like, Jack LaLanne. <laughs> and and I remember we found our Jack LaLanne. I forget who else there were, but I, I love building my building my characters. Your character of when you were anything um with working out, what did we did the um in the door frame for you to be doing pull-ups. The pull-ups. Oh, we had a device. And then all of the nighttime running in your bumble vest. Was oh, it a the bumble? bumble flex? <laughs> <laughs> people then, want it. People will ask me to this day, is bumble flex a real thing? And where can I buy it? <laughs> it, it which we, was, and we the, made a little bumble flex thing for Chance, the dog. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That that was so. What what did that end up being? So that was like high tech gear, like 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 yeah. running Flex gear. Was, basically, right? um, it was some special gear that only Chris Traeger knew about because he was so <laughs> obsessed with health. And it was, I believe, a super fan will know, but I believe it was made. It was it was material for a shirt that was made out of the wings of butterflies. <laughs> and it, oh, here it is. It's an experimental fabric called yeah. Bumbleflex. It's made out of, yes, synthetic bee wings. Yeah. I was right. I Which remember. makes no sense because it's if it's synthetic, it's no longer a bee wing. But sure, yeah. It's, like, it's a nonsense phrase, but sure. Yeah. You know, we talk so much about gifts, jobs, and parties. And this episode is all gifts, 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 right? So many gifts from Leslie. And Alan, you know, we talked about this a little bit, but 
giving gifts is such a great device in our show. Um, and maybe we can expand a bit, right? How it relates to Leslie and and how it just ripples into the rest of the cast. Yeah, it, it's a recurring theme in the show. And, and, you know, we don't say that lightly in terms of gifts, parties, and jobs. Like, And I think I, I still remember thinking back all those years ago as a very young writer uh, talking to who I thought of as like, you know, people who knew how to run the show, like Greg and Mike, right? And, and you know, they weren't identical in their philosophies. And sometimes Greg would be like, man, Mike is such a sweet guy and he's such a like caring guy. And, and he infuses that into his, his storytelling sort of, um, you know, his, his means of storytelling. And he says, a lot of times these stories, and, and this is totally organic, are ending up with someone thanking somebody or someone showing appreciation or someone you know, doing something kind for someone else and showing empathy. And look, it's a visual medium, right? And so you can, of course, you can have a character say, hey, thank you. That's pretty boring, right? And, and that's, and even though, you know, a lot of comedies are very dialogue based, it's, it's nice to see an embodiment of what that means, whether it's Leslie giving a gift to Ron or to Tom or to, 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 to April, you know, it, it turned into such a, uh, I think, very on theme you know, trend in the show because of Mike's sort of natural inclination to have characters care about each other and feel empathy towards each other. So it's not just, you know, a fun thing to end the episode. It's like, it's very on brand for the show. And boy, it, 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 some of the best episodes of the sh- of the show end with giving gifts or with, some, I mean, look at Galentine's day, right? It's, it's a whole, it's a whole sort of cottage industry holiday now and and gay you so what what shows have you worked on uh since parks you did good place and you, what what did you do before parks um before parks i did um mad men and crossing jordan oh, heard of wow. them heard of them mad um, men that must have been so fun mad men all that period um yes stuff the the stuff was fun. The show, because like any other show that suffers from financial problems, you want it to be, you know, you want to have it all. And then you, you know, it's hard to pull that off with not a lot of money. But yes, it was, I, I would never trade that experience for the world. Yeah, they they did a lot. I mean, I know for a fact, I mean, they did a lot with a little on that show in terms yeah. of the production yeah, budget. I mean, it looks amazing. But you realize if you really think about it, you're on stage a lot, you know, you're saving money by just being on the set and not doing so much location work. And it's all yeah. kind of in that office, right? It's just yeah. like, it's all kind of like... And a little and, bit and, downtown, little pockets here and there downtown, yeah. you know, yeah. on the street. Um, and uh, before, and then after that, I did Veep and um, The Good Place in yeah. your show, Forever. Forever, that's Forever. right. Um, and then in um, I did Hacks. This last yep. season of Hacks. And then I'm on a film called Babylon here in town. Um, Damien Chazelle, new film. Um, okay, your your record is... that's If that were a director or writer's filmography, <laughs> it would be the greatest writer who ever lived. Yes. <laughs> like that's an extremely good resume of stuff. <laughs> that's a lot of good shows and movies. Yeah, so, oh, so you're, on, you're on Babylon right now. That's cool, man. That's a, that's a, Yeah, I've heard about that movie. Tell um, me a little bit about Babylon. I know I've heard the logline, but I'm a huge fan of his. What is, what, can you tell me what the logline of Babylon is? Yeah, so it's, it's 1920s Hollywood, um, the transition from silent film to talkies right. and how it affects, um, you know, the actors and the studios and that transition of it all. So it's period, um, which is, oh, I mean, that's kind of where my heart is. I love it. Love it. There's a lot of, um, I just finished reading the Frank Capra book. Um, it's, I think it was published in 1970, 
But one of the most interesting things in the book is, is he lived through that era and was working in that era. And just the practicality of what sound, the advent of sound meant, did. It's, a, it's such fertile ground. People have, I don't think, have a concept of how, how, how it ended entire careers mm-hmm. overnight. Absolutely. Yeah. Not yeah. a good time if you were a handsome guy with a horrible voice. <laughs> like right? That was kind of the, uh, uh, not a good time for those guys, but yeah. it's a, And also not being able to kind of um, let that romantic silent era go. And, and, and it, it was a lot of that, you, you had to transition or you were out. Yeah. Yeah. So. And and if I don't if I recall correctly, I mean I think I've read a couple things about this era. Some guys were like, "No, people are gonna people don't want to hear sound. They want to yes. hear they want to watch silent. No, people want to read the cards. They want to yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is so funny in retrospect. But um, man, what what an illustrious career! What an illustrious career! I've been fortunate. I mean, well, look, you guys have hired me plenty. No, that's true. I, I, I try to hire you for every show I ever do. So I, I, I get it. It's like you're either busy on one of my shows or I try to poach you for my shows. That's, that's basically it. Um, I guess I have to fight with Damien Chazelle now. So, <laughs> Have you ever had actors? Um, we talked about this in another one of the other episodes. Famous actors who think because they touch a prop that it now belongs to them and they want to take it home. <laughs> <laughs> ding, 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 yeah, ding, ding. baby. What was it? <laughs> um, like, like a gun or something? Blanc, um, uh, um, God, what's my watch company that, oh. um, like a Patek, Patek Philippe or something? Like, um, yeah, he just took a lot of stuff. Oh, oh, and I oh, no. at the end of the movie, and he said, No, they gave it to me. I'm like, No, we didn't. Um, <laughs> Because those are those are rentals, right? Well, promo. So oh, so. find out in my name. Oh, Cartier. Cartier yeah. watch. Yeah. Now, um, Robert De Niro will donate it. That's part of the package. Like when you get okay. stuff, he does a big okay. charity thing. He's the only one that that is set up, built into the cake that goes right. It's all for charity. I, I heard as a foundation that's set up that inherits the stuff from Robert De Niro. So he just collects the De Niro stuff. So it's very complicated, but it's a shell corporation that takes the De Niro donation. So it's like, oh, more watches from De Niro? Thanks, Bobby D. Yeah, you literally will see like an Academy Award winner just with like a cardboard box of coffee. There's the coffee maker from the set. and Yeah. It's just it's unbelievable sometimes. It's like, this is a movie set, not a gifting suite, man. You can't just walk <laughs> off with that stuff. Wardrobe's like that too. I mean, wardrobe's all the time. Like, like people always trying to take all the wardrobe stuff. It's like, that's not all. But but yeah, I, I can't imagine. It's, it's hard to say no, right? If it's like, you know, movie star or whatever. Yeah. It took it home. It's like, I'm gay. What am I going to well, hunt I'm him down and steal his shit back? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, bye, Bruce. Anyway, hi, yeah. uh, producer. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what you do. That's what you do. But that's real stuff too. That's nice. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Those are nice items. Yeah, that's not food. I probably got in trouble once or twice before by giving stuff away, but it it's it fits for them, you know. Especially like that mosaic or things that we've made, especially yeah. on cards. You know, it fits their character. They should have. We- it. In 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 an ep- we we talked about on an episode like like Rob and I both had things from the set that that were kind of given to us right he had yeah. a, a you know a nameplate and I had a mouse wrap poster that you yeah. know that was framed and given to me and it was like yeah that's that's sweet 
that ain't like a, a nice watch though. <laughs> that's no. like <laughs> that's you not for being a month, up. You know. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny, man. Or a car. Uh, How about a car? Yeah. I've seen that too. Where like, oh my God. <laughs> like I'm driving this car, you know, I'm just like, you know, whatever. I mean, it happens. Peel it out of my hands. Peel it out of my hands. <laughs> I dare you. I, I dare, dare you. you to do it. Uh, do you know what's cute? Do you want to know something really cute? So when we ended Parks and Rec, um, I asked Mike Shore what he wanted. And he goes, well, what do you want? And I said, well, I am a little partial to the Unity Quilt. And then he goes, I like the Unity Quilt too. So we made a deal. Every two years, we switch out. the. He takes it or I take it every two years. And Wow. Yeah. So I'm a month behind. He's got it sitting on his couch ready for me to go get it. That's so sweet. It's also in the spirit of, of Unity. <laughs> yeah. It's like... Yeah. It's so cute that we actually, I can't believe I'm like, at first I was like, oh, this will never happen. But it happens every two years. That's so sweet. I love I know. that. I know. That, that and is... my, my wall in my office is there for two years and then I put it back up again. So, yeah. A beautiful, <laughs> a beautiful story. That. That's also, a great episode. A beautiful story. Yeah, people don't who watch don't think of the, the kind of detail of, you know, some an actor is in a scene and he's looking at paperwork on a desk. Somebody's made that. They've made it. They've somebody had to write it. Yeah. Somebody had. So there's literally and and the mark of of working with people who are great at props is and we used to see us on the West Wing all the time, and and on, on Parks and Rec is you could open a document, and the document would either be super hilarious that somebody has spent the time to actually. Yeah. It's not all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy over and over and over again. It's actual writing that a human being spent the time to do that no one's ever going to see but the actor who's pretending to read the file. Um, Okay, so I feel like, because you know after doing this for so long, you're never going to see what's on that page unless they do an insert. But I always, my whole point was, in fact, I got into an argument with a graphics person once before and he did it in um, Greek. You know, and I was like, no, you can't do that. We have to, you know, and he's like, well, no, never see it. I'm like, but you guys see it. And if I think if it helps, um, you know, get you in the scene or whatever, that's what I feel like our job is, you know, or either make you laugh or at least have something there that you can um, set the tone for however you're going to do the scene, Uh, you know, whether it be realistic and it doesn't affect you at all or maybe make you laugh. Well, I remember vividly coming on to Parks because I came in late. You know, I came in whenever season, into season two. And the first time I picked up a file and looked at it and it was like, Mayor Gutterson is a noted <laughs> asshole. Who or whatever it was. Somebody wrote and I was it. like, somebody yeah, wrote this somebody and it's wrote it. really and, funny. And, and some of these props, like, yeah, you, you know, we tried to give you guys copy. We're definitely going to see it. But you guys definitely wrote stuff that was like oh. funny and was in the, sh- you know, like in the show in some ways. But you're right. Like doing in Greek, like the actor is going to look at it, right? The actor sees it. You know, it's like you want to kind of create this world and it shows that extra, extra love, man. The extra love in there, you know, helps the show. It, it kind of, yeah. And the occasional lines, you know. <laughs> yeah. Especially if it's a long monologue, you know, you want to help them out. Yes. A lot the of the extras, yes. On the podium. That was that was always the thing. Okay, exactly. they gotta fill the time with something. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're not stranding the actor on an island where they just have right. to make up the lines, you know. Is there a prop cliche that drives yeah. you insane? A baguette, a bouquet of flowers. Um, we will always say that and then there's this one newspaper that we <laughs> use like all the time. Um yeah, and but it'll make me like you have to do it now 
for fun. You can't really do it. Like who's walking around with the, the flower? Bag at. Bag at. Yeah. How about the, I, here's mine. Um, you know, it's somebody's office when they have that little tick-tock, tick thing Oh with my the balls. God, yes. Which no one in real life ever has. No, but you but you have to have it on TV if you have an office. You do. Yeah. Oh, Everybody has man. one of those in their desks. Yeah, I, uh, lo- yeah. I, I love that kind of stuff. I love looking for like... I, I actually think I've worked with that desk device. What is it called? Yeah. The, the, the pendulum balls that hit each other? I feel like I've worked with... I've had that on multiple desks of my own on TV, only on it's TV. A, it's a great question, Rob, for any yeah. any department on, you know who are who are interviewing what the cliches of their job are. Because I never would have thought of baguette and bouquet of flowers. Like that's so funny. Like that that <laughs> that it's like your lead is a, you know she's a struggling photojournalist yeah. and she's walking in the street with a baguette <laughs> and a bouquet of whatever her job is. Right? She works in advertising, you know, whatever it is, but. She's like, oh, she's, yeah, she's, she's put together at work, but her personal life's a mess. Anyway. <laughs> well, how do you, listen, how do you know that they've, the character's actually been to the grocery if you don't see the baguette? There could be anything exactly. in that bag. You got to right? see it sticking out. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Because the other thing is in food, we talked about, you talked about food and weapons. Um, have you ever worked with actors who ate all of the prop? I worked Danny Glover. Danny Glover ate every piece <laughs> of prop food ever. What? And I, and I was finally, I was like, I was like, Danny's been in a lot of, he's been in a lot of movies. I mean, yeah. Danny Glover, like, wasn't his first job. I mean, the food sits out. I mean, you guys do your best to keep it fresh, but yeah. I mean, you're shooting for 13 hours sometimes. You don't want to eat that egg salad. Okay. Uh, Chris Pratt ate 14 ice creams, I think. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. I remember I was there. I was there. Oh, my God. Chris would eat whatever we laid out. Chris would eat all the pizza. Oh, I don't know. I I had one here. It was like okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was um, usually ice cream. It's so good. That, that was the bachelor party episode when we all went to yeah. eat ice cream. And by the way, that ice cream was insane. It was it was insane. I wonder. And we full all fat, full fat, fat ice cream. Full fat. Yeah, because uh, usually there's a spit bucket, right? So for those yeah. of you who don't know, you you take a bite on camera, you chew it, and you, you spit it out, and and and. Uh, yeah, I mean, because you're not supposed it's, it's not good for you to eat that. Yeah. So there's many takes from different coverage and all this stuff. Yeah. But yeah, eating that much seems uh, ill-advised. But you know, maybe you need the energy to get through the scene. Awesome. I love Danny, man, Danny Glover and uh, Pratt in a movie together. You're gonna have to increase the food budget. I love oh. that about Danny Glover. Never would have expected that. Oh, and he's and he's you know he's skinny as the day is long, but the man eats like a, like he's got a hollow leg, and <laughs> and and he and and then and then. Like his assistant would come up to him and go, um, Danny, I just want you to know there are um, churros at Crafty. Well, because Pratt would do that too. Because I, I, sometimes we would eat with Pratt at, at catering after he did a scene where he eats in the scene. And it was like, I, I remember one time we had barbecue and, he, you know, he was like, uh, yeah, could I get a... He came up to the truck. He's like, can I get two or three? There was ribs. He was like, can I get two or three? And and uh, the, the the chef was like, two or three ribs? He's like, two or three racks. Two or three racks of ribs. Like, that's a lot of ribs, bro. Like, that's a lot of ribs. <laughs> you remember the meat tornado burrito? Yes. I thought, yes, like, yes. you know, oh, well, eight will be enough. No, we had to rack. <laughs> no way. Or, <laughs> yes. No way. Not kidding. Yeah. Eight burritos. <laughs> a big boy. 
<laughs> he's a large man. He consumes a lot of energy. But yeah, that that's hilarious. That was a, yeah, I, I love that area. Yeah. Actors who will eat all the food. God. <laughs> it's and and then you know the eating of food. A lot of actors don't ever eat. That's my other favorite thing to watch is in eating right. scenes where do you ever actually see food enter an actor's mouth? And the answer is yeah. almost never. Almost never. That's the other extreme, we right? They the just won't eaters eat it. or the non-eaters, you know? And and we never know what that's going to be until you get to know them really well. Um, and that's hard for us to plan out dinner scenes because if there's, you know, they're supposed to be eating and I always do some soft food so they can chew and not break, you know, mess the take up. Um, but then like in the last 10 years, there's a huge amount of diet restrictions for everyone. Mm. So yes. it becomes a little more complicated. Like, okay, bread is soft. They can't do bread, you know, <laughs> or um, yep. greens are crunchy, but they can't really eat that. What, you know, so it's a little more difficult to right. food right now, but I completely, we're all on board trying to figure it out. Um, in fact, in the last two years, it's been much easier because of all the beyond um, mm. you know, meat mm. and whatnot. You can See, still, this is the stuff yes. that people don't, that most people don't I think mean, about when making a show and it's fascinating, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah. I just, mean, you, <laughs> you think Tony Soprano's just wolfing down on that sub without yeah. a lot of thought going behind it? Mm-hmm. No, there's thought on the hot <laughs> gay look, gay looking for vegan, non-GMO, gluten-free mush that isn't loud on camera. Right. Just <laughs> the hardest, the hardest journey. <laughs> so Aubrey Process, one of my favorite people on the planet. But when we were doing the grilled cheese episode, and she finally says, "Mommy, I don't want cheese." I'm like, "No, you don't understand. You have to do oh, it because you it's really cheese. hard. Fake cheese doesn't melt, especially when you know." Nine years ago, fake cheese did not melt at all. And we had to do that whole grilled cheese. And I wanted to, well, I was like, oh, no, do this wow. for me. Come on, come on, do it for me. <laughs> Just take a bite and spit it out. Spit it out. Come on. <laughs> I think I can. Yeah, can I get a grilled cheese sandwich? No cheese, no bread. Thank you. <laughs> Just like, no, you can't, man. Yeah. Uh, no, and of course, Pat was eating all the. <laughs> Pratt, meanwhile, ate the first 50 sandwiches. Off camera. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Off, ca- off camera. Off camera. Oh, my Remember God. Remember when we did the hamburger episode? The yes! hamburger cook-off? Oh, yeah. The burger off. Yeah. The burger off with me and with Chris Traeger and, and Offerman. Those burgers were delish. Those burgers yeah. were really good. We oh, had yeah. a food stylist come in for that. Those were Yeah, you had special cool. people for that one, I remember. Yeah. Gay, have you ever seen, there's a YouTube channel called Binging with Babish. And so it's a channel where this guy makes food from different television shows. What? And he did Parks and Rec. He did the burger cook-off with Chris and Ron. And he made Chris's burger. I think he made both burgers, actually. And he has millions of subscribers. He's that a very famous crazy. YouTube personality. So look up, look up Babish Parks and Rec. Um, shout out to Babish. But yeah, he yeah. He, uh, he he made he he made the burgers on his channel. So it was yours. Check it out. Turkey was it supposed to be turkey or was it a? It was turkey. It was turkey. Yes, it was turkey. Yes, it was a turkey burger, and that was the bit. <laughs> it was the bit, kind of. <laughs> Um, that he had put so much effort into it, but then people preferred the beef burger. Spoiler when we get to that one. Yes, <laughs> much, much, much later down the line. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. 
The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Um, I think we need to do a town hall with Gay before before, yes, before she leaves us. Yes, let's do a town hall. And I believe, I believe this might be a town howl because it's a voicemail. Oh. But we should, oh, you know, where, where should we, where did they do Valentine's Day in the beginning of this episode? JJ's, isn't it? It wasn't oh, at JJ's? Uh-uh. It, well, we really shot it at Hamburger Hamlet and I forgot. What? what? Amazing. <laughs> I like that you remember that. Yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. We did it twice there, I think. Well, let's do it the Hamburger Hamlet in Bonnie then. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a question for Gay. Yes. Was there a prop that you slaved over that didn't get in the show <laughs> that you were then? Yes. I had you got how much time we have? <laughs> I mean, they, I want you to, I want you, I want you, yeah, please get, please. Okay, uh, I'll bring it to this particular Valentine's Day. It was, we were supposed to do these heart shaped, um, you know, the sweetheart candy that you get at Valentine's that have I love you and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Well, we made oversized ones and they had to have, you know, the letters on it. And um, you guys had wrote husband and and um, um, I love, you know, other ones. Oh my God, I couldn't get those freaking things to stay on. End up spray painting them. Uh, <laughs> spray painting the hearts. And you never see them in the whole thing. They never pull them out. They never do them. So anyway, I remember stressing over those sweetheart candies. Now, we, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode. Do you remember the hydraulic egg that we made to put <laughs> Jerry inside of? It was, does that, does that oh, ring a bell to you? Oh my God. Yeah. Early, early on. Was that the, um, the, it was a Jurassic Fork more, episode, yeah, I believe. Jurassic. Yeah. Oh God, I love that. And, and we built this egg and we just never, it, it worked. It opened and closed. It was a dinosaur egg that opened and closed. And, and it just sat on stage. It was one of my favorite things about the show. I would walk by that dinosaur egg seasons later, just the vain hope that it would get used again as if as if we would somehow go back to Jurassic Fork and use it. Why but, didn't we go back but, to Jurassic Fork? That was so we fun. actually did. And then we didn't use it again. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was something similar, but man, thank you so much to our guest, Gabe Perello. Great to have you on. Oh my god, this was such a pleasure. I was so nervous. You never would know it. You're a pro, darling. You're a pro. You have a future in the business. <laughs> thank you. I'm probably going to get fired now, but you know, so I'll, I'll need. No, to no, you're all good. good. You'll always have a job on my shows, gang. You always have a job. Same. That. <laughs> same. Same. Um, well, listen, thank you for listening. Uh, this has been uh, Parks and Recollection, as you know, and more fun next week. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to the show. Give us a five-star review uh, on, on the, the, the boards. Um, it's very helpful. And uh, we will see you next time. Goodbye from Funny. Thank you, Producer Schulte. Thank you, Producer Greg. Bye, everyone.
Parks and Recollection is produced by Greg Levine and me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Alan Yang for Alan Yang Productions, Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn are our talent bookers. The theme song is by Mouse Rat, a.k.a. Mark Rivers, with additional tracks composed by John Danik. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Parks and Recollection. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.